We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, all you cool cats and kittens. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters like Rob, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of that we'll help you get get your show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all of this for only 15 dollars a month the same rate as any other hosting charge site would charge you for just the initial setup coincidentally the same rate i pay for uh, soundcloud premium so whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that is bwhustle.com slash join. Podcast Network, and we're back. It's another episode, two weeks in a row, no hiatus this time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Rob. Alongside me, of course, as always, is Andy. Andy, how are you doing this Monday evening? Every time we podcast, news breaks, so <laughs> looks like we're working overtime. We don't get paid overtime, but we're working overtime. We're just going to keep putting up podcasts because people keep telling us that there's news to cover. There's just news... 
more news. We got sad news. Well, not really sad news. We just have like the depressing reality that is Cal basketball. We got good news. I'm not going to spoil that, but just going to give you the teaser for the. I'm going to give an appetizer. See what I did there? I like what for you did there. the depressing news regarding Cal basketball. In the meantime, I was told that we should have a podcast about our favorite appetizers. Yes. So do you want to, you want to start with that? You want to start with what your favorite appetizer is? Might as well. I, I feel like mine are very what I will call hashtag white boy white boy basic, <laughs> which are. Dude, like I'm thinking like mozzarella sticks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. I'm thinking mozzarella and sticks. Calamari. Oh, fried calamari is solid. And then a little ahi tuna. If you want to okay. go a little fancy, if you want to go a little fancy, okay. tartar type deal, a little tartar, little shrimp cocktail, something like that. A little, yeah. you gotta have a little bouge in there. Yeah, you gotta, you got, you gotta have a little something that's not fried. But I will say, my goat, greatest of all time. Okay, chips and salsa. Oh, that is a that's it's such a simple classic, right? It's that's tough to beat. There is no time in my life when I am at a restaurant and they say. Would you like chips and salsa? <laughs> say no. For the price of three ninety nine, I will say, would I like chips and salsa? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> I'll have as much chips and salsa as you could possibly serve me. What is your number one chips and salsa place? Free ninety nine chips and salsa place in the Bay Area. Oh, devastating! Mm. I actually. Don't all, know. all of all of the all of the taquerias and Mexican restaurants are currently listening to this podcast, holding their breath to figure out where Andy Johnston likes to get his tortilla chips and salsa the most. Yeah, well, so so the thing is, if you go back, let's go back, let's unpack this a little bit. You go to late '90s, early 2000s Bay Area. Okay, okay, the best place. And I will take this to my grave. The best place for chips and salsa in that time frame was Chevy's. Chevy's, Chevy's, however you want to say it. Chevy's chips are pretty dang delicious. That was it. They had it. They owned the market. You went there. You ate four baskets. You threw a bunch of your own salt on it. You watched them make their own tortillas. You got the fajitas, but yep. it was all about the chips and salsa. They even had it at Costco. It was so good. They used yeah, to yeah. sell that salsa to go yeah, to Costco. Yeah, yeah. And then Chevy's kind of, you know. Plateaued as a franchise. Yeah, they, like last time I went there, it was terrible. So like, yeah. I can't wreck it anymore. So I think without really knowing a couple of good options, because now every place is charging for it, the two that I'll throw out, uh, I believe – at Los Pericos in San Leandro, it's free, and they have a really nice salsa bar. The other place I was going to say is a place that you and I have ate before and a place my dad went to in college, Juan's Place in Berkeley. Uh, uh, the, th- the thick tortilla chips are... They give the thick tortilla chips, and I think mm. they give uh, a little bit of that green and red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are my those are my two. Mm. I gotta say, I I think I'm the same with you. I when I whenever I think appetizers, it's always like the fried mozzarella sticks, the you know the onion rings, the you know um, the loaded potato skins, like things like that. The one that always reminds me of like the pinnacle of it is well, two. One is the Denny sampler. 
<laughs> like, what? I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. But the Denny Sampler. Denny Sampler? <laughs> always, for me, it just always hits home. It's always, like, it's always on the dot, right? You get, like, the, the chicken strips, the mozzarella sticks, like, the whole, the whole mixed bag. But, by far, the best appetizer in the world, in my opinion, is the Bloomin' Onion at Outback Steakhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. that's that with that sauce is an unbeatable combination as an appetizer dish. It's basically like an onion ring, right? But but better. I love of them, <laughs> but better. Yeah, that sauce. I've had it once, and so I don't think I ever felt worse. But <laughs> it's not it's not something that you you go out thinking. You know what? I, I think I had a good meal, like a healthy meal. No, <laughs> no. But no, that's batter and oil all the way. It was. Uh, it was really good at the time. It's so good. It's such a good combination. If you haven't had it, I highly recommend you get it. Another place where you can actually get it is if you go to the Alameda County Fair. There is a there's a stall that just does the bloomin' onion with like a variety of like uh, seasonings on top. You can get the original, but like they have a variety of seasonings on top and a variety of uh, sauces you can pick from. Um, not quite the same, but it's like fresh. That's it's good like you, knowledge. You see them like you see them do the chopping of the onion where it like blooms like a flower. You see them dredge it and like deep fry it and they like kind of pass it on. You see the whole you see the whole process. So that's a I highly recommend that. That and then you get a dole whip after you're done eating that. You have your night complete. <laughs> Pineapple soft serve, my friend. Oh. That's dessert. But that sounds know. lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Hey, I have a question for you. All right. Do you think that Yogurt Park is possibly involved with a chain yogurt place called Yogurt Express? Where is where's I haven't heard of Yogurt Place or Yogurt Express. Where is wait, the closest wait, Yogurt Place? Am I talking about <laughs> Yogurt Place? Did I just call it Yogurt Place? You called it Yogurt Place. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we shouldn't record after nine o'clock. Oh my gosh. Yogurt Park. Yeah. Yeah. Yogurt Park, yeah, is is associated with. Oh, I just called the other one yogurt. <laughs> you called the other one yogurt place. I thought I thought it was an actual brand. Oh, I thought it was an actual on. brand called Yogurt Place. No, 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 no. It's in Castro Valley. I thought it was called Yogurt Express, <laughs> but it was just there. Uh, but Diana brought it up. And does um, it taste similar? Is that why? It was. Yeah, it tastes very similar. And just type this in. Maybe it's an homage. So we had a thought that maybe. But why wouldn't they just put out a place with their name on it then? I don't know. Out there. That's a very good question. Yogurt Deluxe. Okay. Wasn't quite expressed, but hey, not (laughs) terribly Same same vein of thought. So I, place actually, it does look very similar, and the flavor options very similar. So it was could it be like a like a ripoff in terms of like a bootleg version of it? Like they, there's they... also a bear in the logo. I just don't know why they would dilute their own brand by calling it something else, though. Yeah, well, it's all, it's all very intriguing. These are the unsolved mysteries. What about what's that Italian ice place in Castro Valley in like Pleasanton? Rita's. Rita's, yes. Rita's is Rita's is bomb. That's a good ice cream like dessert place. All right, I'll go there this weekend. I love that. I love that place. I just can't. It's it's so far to like go out there. Yeah, it's close to you. You Bro, this is where I live. Yeah, 
This Rita's is, oh. this is five minutes. <laughs> but you got six minutes for me. Here's the thing with Rita's though. You got to call them in advance before you go and be like, hey. Do you guys have, like, soft serve today? Because sometimes, like, their machine breaks, especially towards the end of the night, or they don't they don't refill it. And if you just get the ice without the soft serve on top of it, it's meaningless going to Rita's. The whole point of you going is to get the custard on top of the shaved ice. Mm. So if they don't have it, then you're, it's, a, it's a worthless trip. You That's good. Know. That's a good wreck. You so, need to know. This is what the people come for. <laughs> this the is appetizers. What and the teasers. Yes. Now we got the entree. That, that would, oh, good transition. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, we roll on to uh, a new segment or a new way of breaking up our podcast. We're going to start with some berry news. So first with some berry good news. Some berry good news. Former Cal uh, golf athlete, student athlete, player, Max Homa has won the Genesis Invitational this past weekend. In a playoff. In a playoff. It was very cool. It was very cool. The The, the little cherry on top was that I believe it was Tiger Woods who handed him the trophy, which was a little little fun little Cal Stanford nod thing. Um, <laughs> but I like it. I like it. <laughs> uh, so he must have been at Cal our year. Our years. Three of our three to four years yeah 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 there's a few guys like that like max homa max homa uh pyong han on i believe um and one more i can't remember but around our same around our same if you go to riforcalifornia.com our very own uh ray has put up a really good article on it with a bunch of the tweets and gifs of his shots um all in there highly recommend you go uh read it and look uh, but man, he he was like solid um, in this towards the end, especially in the playoffs. Like he was just he was just on it. Um, he like read the greens perfectly. His pars were great, um, or his, his not his pars, his putts were great. Um, absolutely stellar. And he won, I believe, like what was it, like one point three million winnings. Not a bad day. Not a bad day. Not a, not bad. a bad time to donate. Yeah. To Cal football <laughs> or Cal basketball, for that matter, if you want to bring Dennis Gates in. Oh, Andy is fully on that train. Andy is so, fully on that train. Slide in with a little donation. <laughs> Help us build that practice facility wherever that ends up, if it even ends up happening. But we'll build, we'll build it in San Francisco because <laughs> it'll be cheaper out in San Francisco. <laughs> We're like the opposite warriors. Like we're gonna build a, a facility out out there, and then practice uh, practice over there, and then have games here. Um, yeah, but that was great news. That was some good news. One more piece of good news that Andy alluded to earlier is today. Today, a mere few three hours ago, mere three hours ago, Cal football hires Jeep. Uh, I don't know how to say their last name. Is it Chris? Chris. It's Chris, right? Okay, Chris as their new tight end coach. Andy is a big fan, uh, but let me just read you through what our dear friend Peter wrote uh, for RightForCalifornia.com. George Paul, uh, quote-unquote, Jeep Christ, is, an, is as NFL as it gets. 25 years since he was named an NFL TEE coach for the Arizona Cardinals. 30 if we include quality control work for the Chicago Bears. His most notable work came as quarterback coach for Harbaugh's for Harbaugh with uh, Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick in that era and his OC work for the 2015 Niners under Jim Tom Sula. Yeesh. 
most recently, he was the tight end coach for the Denver Broncos, where he coached under Bill Musgrave during the 2017-2018 season. This is what Wilcox had to say about the hire. Jeep is a highly respected football coach who has experienced success at the highest level. He has a strong understanding of what we are doing on offense, and he will do a great job coaching and developing our tight ends to maximize their potential. We are pleased that we are able to attract Jeep to our program. Fun, Some fun notes here. Uh, he is the brother of Paul Christ, who is the head coach at Wisconsin, which Wilcox worked under as his D.C. for a year before he came to Cal. Um, and is uh, that's the connection there. He was also, uh, of course, as you mentioned, or as it said, he was a tight end coach under Bill Musgrave drew with the Denver Broncos. His coaching tree uh, includes the likes of John Fox, Jim Harbaugh, Bill Musgrave. I believe he also, I don't know if he coached with or under, but with uh, Ron Rivera. Um, so it's a pretty, pretty uh, hefty list. And uh, some other fun notes is that I believe he was on the staff with the Carolina Panthers for four years coaching tight ends. During that time, Coach Gerald Alexander was a player uh, for the Carolina Panthers. I don't remember for how long, but at least in his final year there, he was a player there. Uh, and one more fun note. Vlad uh, tweets at us, and he says, also a fun fact, he, was he talking about a Chris, was on the 1990 Wyoming coaching staff when Cal beat them in the Copper Bowl. Fun Man, notes. That's a deep... Pull. That's a deep cut. Yeah, that's Vlad's always good for those. If you guys yeah. don't follow Vlad, you should. He's got the deep cuts. He's got the the best deep cuts. Yo, I think he has one job and one job only. I mean, th- that's obviously not true. But for <laughs> the sake of conversation, his role is to develop Jermaine Terry. Yep. That's it. That's all he's got to do. <laughs> if he wants for the, to be successful. For the next year. That's for the it. next year at the very least, outside Two. of recruiting. Two to three years. Yeah. Just do that. Yeah. Just do that. That's all he's got to do. And I think, you know, I think that these older coach coaching hires, with the, look, the bottom line, jury's still out on Musgrave. If you read Nick's article today, which anyone should read about sort of the new coaching staff era of Cal football. What he calls uh, Wilcox 2.0. Wilcox 2.0. As you'll know that nobody is looking at last season and saying that that was the Musgrave offense we're going to get. But also no one's looking at last season saying, I'm positive we're going to get, you know, some sort of extremely different offense. So light the world on fire. Right. Um, And the truth lands probably in between those two options. But this type of hire to me is not – it's the it's uh it's it's not the opposite. It's just different. It's like it's not the Hayward hire. It's yeah. you know it's not what was Marcel Yates. It's not the Yates hire. It's not. It's more of what I think they're trying to do at Arizona State, which is say, hey, we're the pro program. If I am Jermaine, if I am Jermaine Terry or any of the tight ends currently at Cal, I'm thrilled. I get to work with a coach that was in the NFL for years has an incredible resume has coached all sorts of different players and talent you're just going to learn a lot so from that opportunity is fantastic I think it does impact recruiting especially if you look at the person he's replacing um who you know Tui for all the hard times we kind of the knocks we kind of give him 
uh, still was starting to bring in some pretty solid tight end talent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm high on it because I think it's a, I, I do look at this being like kind of like a high floor higher. Yep. And I don't necessarily see it as being a bad thing to bring in someone that has, you know, that much experience and previous experience as an offensive coordinator who can look at like the quarterbacks. Like if you're Chase, you also have to be excited because now you have, you know, someone that was overseeing Alex Smith transition from bust number one overall pick to, you know, at of time, the savior of the Niners and then, uh, jilted l jilted ex-lover and then (laughs) he turned he basically turned him into a starting caliber quarterback in the nfl because he's still like he's still touted as a starter right oh if not better than that yeah Yeah. i mean he was he was top 15 yeah top 10 maybe creeping in the top 10 a couple of those years Mm -hmm. um maybe i'm remembering that too favorably but no (laughs) he is he was uh alex Smith's journey it was impressive and you know, Jeep had a big part in that. So I think it's a, just a benefit to the offense. I don't know how much I would say it benefits the position, but I think it benefits the offense, and it definitely benefits Terry. Terry is going to be so good now. That's <laughs> going to be awesome. Like, that's why I like I, – I think that's a great hire. And if he's only in it for two to three years anyways, then sweet, just coach this dude for your entire career and make him elite, and that's fine. <laughs> like, I'll take it. But, yeah, what do you think, Rob? I, I think the same as you. I think you made the you made the good points. It's it's a it's a floor raising hire. You didn't really need to swing for the fences here, right? You didn't need the the Hayward type hire. You didn't need the Yates type hire. You didn't need you, you you didn't need to take that risk, is what I'm saying. Um, and some people might look at this and say this is still kind of a risk because he hasn't coached college football in so long. But I think coaching football travels. It's it's the recruiting part of it that doesn't really translate. Um, and that's that's where it gets a little bit questionable. But at the same time, you have such an established recruiting group on the offensive side of the ball. Like Musgrave's been here a year already, and he's already pulled how many four-star guys, right? And you have guys like Burl Toller and Aristotle Thompson and um, even Angus McClure, of course. So I think you could you could take that quote-unquote gamble. I don't think it's really a gamble, but in the recruiting center taking that gamble um, to bring in like an NFL, you know, coach um, who can do that. The, the, the thing I think a a lot of people are missing here and you know, they're going to look at his, you know, resume of tight ends that he's worked with and you're going to see the stats. And we were talking about this between you and me earlier. Like they're not too outstanding. There's, he hasn't coached a superstar. Like, he didn't coach a George Kittle. He didn't coach an Antonio Gates. He didn't coach like he didn't coach that type of player that gets you, that was like a thousand yard pass catcher and you know double digit touchdowns. He wasn't that dude. But Peter in our Right for California Slack made a really good move or really good point about the NFL is like the creme, the creme de la creme, right? It's like the it's like the top of all of football. And if you've been coaching in that small small group of people for 30 years you must be doing something right you you can't be like you might not have had the best guy but you were doing well enough that people held you to respect to constantly hire you back to hire uh to do something else in the nfl and i think that stands for something granted he hasn't been in the nfl for two years but who knows what reason that is whether you know you want to take a break like who knows what it is but like 
to consistently coach in the NFL for 25 years without like a single, you know, uh, what's it like hiatus. That's impressive. Um, and I think now on the offensive side of the ball, we have two coaches that coach in the NFL, like in prime time, right? We have, and Chris freaking went to the Super Bowl. Like he has that experience like that he can throw out on the, on the table. Like you, it's, I think it's cool having players, ex NFL players as coaches, cause they can teach the kids about what it's like to be, you know, in the NFL. But realistically, if you want to succeed in the NFL as a player, not only do you have to do your own things, but you have to, you have to know how to learn from those NFL coaches. Well, and a guy like Chris, who's been coaching in the NFL for 30 years is going to be able to teach you that know-how and that, how to, how to absorb that type of information. So I think that's like the key here um, along. And then with the Musgrave hire now, I think it looks even more so like, come on in guys. We have a, a tight end coach. who used to coach quarterbacks. We have a, we have a quarterback who or quarterback coach and OC. Who's a former NFL OC. Like we, we got you in terms of coaching. Like and Chris was a former OC too. Exactly. He, he, he did coach the, he was an OC for a year too. So Yeah. So that's why I think this is actually a, a solid, solid hire. Once again, like the Hayward hire, I think you and I both, the the reason we're kind of shocked is because we didn't think we can pull this kind of name. Like this wasn't a name any of us were considering. And it just like he just happened to hop in. Yeah, I, that's what I've been thinking about as you've been talking. It's like, Man, there's just something I I, know, I would always be so curious to know, like what these coaches are thinking when they're saying, yeah, you know, Cal feels like the right fit. Is it fun for them to jump back into the college game? Is there, you know, is there something that Wilcox has established that they want to be a part of? But it's hard to look at this staff and not see them as a staff that can transition to the next level. <laughs> you know, if Cal were to have a lot of success, you know, way more than we've had in the last decade and more, it's not impossible for me to look at in an NFL team being like, damn, this is a very pro-friendly team mm-hmm. and pro-friendly staff. But I don't, I, I think that the, the league is going a different direction. It's going to young offensive minds. We, we're like the throwback team. We're like, yeah. You know, hundred percent like the throwback team, yep. and we'll see if it works. I, I mean, Utah is the is kind of the blueprint here, and yep. it's worked tremendously well for them. So, I'm optimistic. Yeah, you know what? I mean, this this might be a bad uh, analogy, but you know what? This reminds me of the style of offense and the style of team we're trying to build. We're trying to play like the Memphis Grizzlies, like right with the grind and like the hustle and grind type team. Like, right as the Warriors were, like, exploding with that, like, perimeter shooting, you know, fast, fast, high-octane offense. Everybody forgets. They were all scared of the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies were always so scared. The Grizzlies were great. The Grizzlies were great. It's just it never felt their way, you know. And that's kind of the dichotomy you have here, like, with the the NFL turning into that more offense-focused, less defense. But then we're like, nah, nah, nah. We're going back. We're going back to the old days. We're going to focus on defense. We're going to focus on the run game, controlling the ball, um, and yeah, I, as you said, the Utah blueprint. It's just I would. I just want like Utah plus like maybe ten percent of like you know like Chip Kelly, Oregon, like just just ten, <laughs> like just ten percent of like just those like you know uh, what's a big time plays. 
because I I don't know if I could I don't know if I could handle watching Utah type of offense and that type of football like just that. I want a little bit more excitement. You and everybody else. <laughs> if I could just have a combination of Chip Kelly's Oregon <laughs> offense <laughs> with the I, Steve I realize, Sarkeesian Alabama offense, I realize the, how that's going to sound, and I, I I'm now I'm now regretting or saying it. But we don't we don't delete things here on the Bearcast unless we say something totally absurd. So I don't think it's that absurd. <laughs> <laughs> It's Definitely the, not. It's elite worthy. It's <laughs> right. All right. Well, I think we talked enough about the tight end coach. Let's move on to um, the other side of the ball, and we move on to some very bad news. Oregon has hired Marcel Yates as their new defensive backs coach. He basically it was a coaching swap. We coached Hayward for Yates. You got any thoughts? It's crazy times. Uh, I I don't know what to expect with every time I say that, okay, I think last week we said, I was like, oh, this has got to be the end of these coaching moves, and there's more and more happening. So uh, I think that losing Yates is a bummer because he was a really good recruiter and seemed to have been like we didn't seem to miss too much in the secondary last year so i think this one hurts i think this one might hurt a little bit more than deroyter leaving like tdr leaving we felt like okay yeah maybe you can reload we'll see how much wilcox influences the defense and you know look at sermon but this one to me uh depending on who we hire of course to backfill and we always do well so i at this point you know i'm confident but this one definitely hits a little different. I don't know. What do you think? Are they going to move Hayward to DBs? Open up a position to bring in somebody at linebackers? Like, that's where does your a, heads at? I think I think that's a very good question. I think uh, I think that conversation has to be happening behind the scenes, right? And, but at the same time, like with how the tight end hire happened today, like you know, it just it just dropped. Like there was no like Bruce Feldman tweet of like you know Cal is looking to hire former NFL coach. Like you know you know what I'm talking about, right? Those like leaked tweets. We didn't get any of that. It just Cal football just tweeted out <laughs> we've hired him. Yeah. So, Welcome to Berkeley. <laughs> yeah. So like who knows? We could get that tomorrow. Um, but I would assume that those conversations still have happened. I don't. I. I don't think. I, I mean, they. It sounds like they convinced Hayward to come down to Berkeley and coach offensive uh, outside linebackers because it was a uh, hey if you want to become a DC like I've done it like you know from Wilcox's perspective. Yeah, I've done it. And if you want to do it, you got to be able to coach other positions, right? You got to you got to be able to step in, you know, just in case, you know, hirings don't go in your way or whatnot. I mean, I'm assuming that's how the conversation went. Um, and so he made that choice and he's he's down here, right? What's to say you don't have that conversation again? It's like, do you want to go back to coaching DBs? Like, I know I sold you on that. Like, it's such an awkward conversation to have where you like sell a guy um, on a specific position and then only to like turn around and be like, do you actually want your old job back? Like, I know I said you might be good for the new one, but do you really want the old one back? Because you re- you're really good at your old job. Um, so I don't know how that conversation goes. But, I mean, I think that's a potential there. I mean, we were talking – we'll talk about coaching vacancies as we transition too. But, you know, when we were talking about tight ends, all those like – we threw out all those hypotheticals, right? Do you move Regal back to tight ends? hire a special teams coach like what what other things can you like you know mix and match and i think now that we have the tight end position filled it's about the dbs 
and you have like Hayward right there. Honestly, judging by how Wilcox has done it so far, I think you can take a gamble on a DB coach because you have Hayward. And the reason I the reason I'm trying to read the tea leaves here because remember last year the one thing that they were trying to develop was that star position, which was the hybrid outside linebacker or safety role. If they're still trying to develop that position, then the outside linebacker coach and the DB coach has to work in tandem. Because you have to switch off players, right, back and forth between the star position. Like, the star position guys, like, practicing with the outside linebackers and practicing with the DBs. If that's the case, and they're continuing that trend, you you can have Hayward kind of anchor that. And then you have... And then for linebackers, too... If Hayward needs the help because he's a first-time linebackers coach, you have Wilcox that can step in because he was a linebackers coach, and you have Sermon who can kind of carry that load too. So I think yep. I think DB-wise, you can take a little bit more of a risk here and maybe go with a GA-type hire, not grad assistant like a, you know when when we hired Gerald Alexander, remember? Like that that type of hire. High risk, high reward. That feels... I think this when you go more recruiting again yeah recruiting heavy like recruiting first uh but i don't know if you can find somebody out there that mixes well with both of those uh, where they can kind of coach up and have the recruiting prowess be great yeah hopefully we'll find out soon enough maybe we'll have to record another podcast in like you know 48 hours just because we hired another db coach and someone else got hired hired away from our staff I would bet a lot of money on that (laughs) (laughs) at this point. It's a better bet than GME. Uh, Sad. So sad. Diamond hands, diamond hands to the moon. All right. Um, We're going to transition here into an article that uh, Avi wrote for right for California, which is the assistant coaching vacancies and who can fill them. Titan and coach was already filled. So we don't really need to talk about that anymore. I mean, a lot of the people, a lot of, even myself was like, ooh, Alonzo Carter, you know, the San, San Jose State uh, running backs coach, former back dancer for MC Hammer. Um, I think a lot of us were like, oh, if we're going to go with the Bay Area hire, like that would be one to take. But we're not here to talk about that because that one's already filled. We're going to talk about DB coaches. The coaches he named um, as just some potentials is one is Gabe Franklin, who is the Boise State safeties and nickels coach. Um the reason that's there is because uh, he there is some uh, connection there with like Aristotle Thompson. There's a picture of Aristotle Thompson with uh, Gabe Franklin visiting Oakland High. And uh, Franklin, what he wrote here was Franklin was mentioned as a potential candidate for secondary coach last year before Yates was selected. Franklin graduated from Boise State in 2004, graduated from Bishop O'Dowd in Oakland, and already did one stint as an administrative assistant with Cal in the late 2000s. Although Franklin didn't overlap with Justin Wilcox, he did coach alongside Cal defensive line coach Andrew Browning at UTEP in the 2010s. Boise State's past defense has greatly been ranked in the top third of college football. So... The local aspect is there. I don't believe there's any local uh, coaches on the defensive side of the ball, right? Because you have Burl Toller on on the on like the the offense. You don't have that on the defense. So a guy who went to Bishop O'Dowd, I think you you get some pull there, and you get to, get to bring him home. 
Um, the other name was Eric Williams, San Jose State defensive back coach. Every, we're just everyone's just poaching San Jose State now, right? Because they they did so well. Their quarterback coach just got poached by UCLA. But anyways, Williams is the local candidate with two years of experience with the Spartans. Williams played his college ball at Oregon State, so it's likely Hayward, the former defensive backs coach, has kept some tabs on him. San Jose State ball hawked in 2019 with 16 interceptions. And the last two, first one is Julius Brown, Fresno State's recruiting coordinator. Brown has almost a decade, have a decade of experience with Wilcox dating back to the Boise State days. Brown was a grad assistant and then uh, player of uh, director player personnel. He then moved on a decade of coaching the secondary in places like Arkansas State, Texas Tech, Utah State, and another return to Boise. Brown could provide a nice boost to the Cal defensive recruiting efforts in the Central California area, a place the Bears haven't performed up to par in landing commits in the last decade. The last one would be Going back, we're going to poach Oregon again. Rod Chance, Oregon cornerbacks coach. Cal has already made one trade for Oregon assistance. Why not offer Chance the opportunity to coach the entire secondary and team up with Kate Hayward yet again? Chance's track record dating back to Minnesota as a cornerbacks coach and a defensive coordinator at Southern Utah has been stellar. Those are the choices that Avi put out. I'm all in on Chance. You're all in on Chance. That's what I was immediately going to go look up. I was like, who's coaching uh, Oregon cornerbacks? Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's go take them. <laughs> I I mean, I would I would say like from the from this particular list, I would go with Rod Chance or Gabe Franklin. I like I think from that list, I don't I think it's going to be somebody outside the list. Oh, really? Yeah. What about the list like doesn't appeal to you? Or like just for, or just from the trend, like you don't think that it like matches up with what we're going to try and do. It's not that it doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> well, I mean, it clearly, clearly, like some one of these guys isn't just like, oh, I want, I want him. Because I'm like, thinking, with, like the last time we hired a DB coach, nobody thought we would have pulled Marcel Yates, and like, look where we, what we did, you know. And I think that would have been the high. So that's sort of why I was like, hmm. I mean. It's good research. I think chance is you know my personal choice, but I do wonder <laughs> if if it'll be. It, it seems to me like a lot of those op- candidates are a bit more like up and coming than I think maybe we will go. But yeah. who knows? Could be another NFL guy. My so here's the thing: the name that I threw out on Twitter. Just threw out there with the Cal connection. Thomas Deku. Yeah. That's the name I threw out there. I was going to say. NFL Cal, NFL starting caliber guy. Cal guy through and through. I believe he's coaching here in the Bay Area, if I'm not mistaken. He goes to Andy and my gym. <laughs> like I've seen him uh, just there working out. So, yeah, he's he's around. I mean, that would be, a, that would be like what a – what a stellar thing, right? To have Burl Toller, like former Calgrate, on the offensive end, and then have Thomas Deku on the other side. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like, that'd be fun. I think fans would love it. Yeah. I'm all in on that. That sounds great. 100%. Bring Give back Thomas Deku. Deku. Give me Deku. Give me Deku. I think Deku. I was friends with Deku on Facebook for a while. I think I was too. Yeah. And then he. Yeah. How many times do you think I've said that on the podcast? Over under three. Probably taking that over. Friends. <laughs> well, I mean, when we were when we were in college, like you just added people on, on Facebook. Like, you know, I looked up all the Cal football athletes and added them on Facebook. Whether they accepted my friend request was a totally different story. But at one point I was friends with what? R- Ryan Anderson, uh, Javid Best. <laughs> like I there was a list. There was a pretty good list. I'm still friends with Justin Forsett. <laughs> so Yeah, same. Same. <laughs> and Marvin the, uh... Jones. I'm still friends with Marvin Jones and Justin Forsett, so it's I think the funniest one was when my buddy friended Brandon Belt when he was in the minors and he, he, yeah, so he was friended Brandon Belt when he was in the minors and then he wished Brandon Belt a happy birthday like five or six years after he was in the league and then Brandon Belt immediately defriended him. (laughs) That sucks. You just gotta, you just gotta stay in the crowd, man. You gotta... You just gotta uh, stay in the background and just uh, just act like you don't you don't know anything. That's the way to do it. Uh, two more little bits of news uh, or discussions. First one is, uh, and this is this is where it gets to get a little down. But we'll start talking. Well, first one is actually actually not that bad. Women's basketball. They uh, they beat Arizona State this past weekend, sixty seven to fifty five. Led behind uh, Leilani McIntosh's 21 points, 5 of 7 from the field, 4 of 4 from the three point line, and 7 of 7 from the free throw line. The women's basketball team has gone through so freaking much this season. It's, it's quite spectacular. I believe at one point in the season, they did not have a single scholarship guard available because everyone was out due to injury. And they actually had to have uh, uh, Mia Mashrov. Mashrov. She came in in January and was immediately added to the team. And she had 12 points in this game. And she took 11 shots. She was the team leader in, in field goals attempted. So having to have a freshman come in <laughs> midseason <laughs> to do that for you. Um, but the Bears get that win. Maybe something to build towards. And it looks like you know they're starting to round out, like especially the five-star uh, players that they that, that Sharman Smith brought in last season or last recruiting class into this season. They're they're slowly starting to grow a little bit, and that's where the that's where the fun lies. But, the opposite of Cal basketball then, or men's basketball then. Well, I mean, if you're a first-time head, well, she's a first-time head coach. Uh, Mark Fox is not, but if your first season at Cal, which was the exact same year, right? If you come in and one brings in five-star 
recruit three five-star players and the other brings in a bunch of three-star guys that aren't even in the rotation anymore, I think there's a drastic difference. Didn't Monty bring in a lot of three-star guys, though? He did, but are we comparing Monty's like coaching prowess to Mark Fox's? Because, I mean, I mean, we know... I think Monty is by far... A, we already know Monty is by far a better coach, right? He's like a college Hall of Famer um, with who he coached, how he coached. I mean, the thing with the thing that people say about Monty when he was at Cal, like towards the end, he just he just didn't want to recruit anymore, right? And like that, if he if he had stuck with his recruiting, like who knows how that final class at Cal that he brought in might have ended up. Like we got Jabari, who was the five star guy, but. There were two other five-star guys in the Bay Area that year, which was Marcus Lee and Aaron Gordon. And if we had pulled the three of them together, like, holy crap, that's like a totally, like, totally different team um, that we're going into. And if history played out exactly in terms of the coaching and he decided to retire, like, that's Conzo Martin, (laughs) like, leading into his second year with Jabari Bird. Aaron Gordon, or his first year with Jabari Bird, Aaron Gordon, Jordan Matthews, <laughs> like you know Marcus Lee. That's that's that that yeah. I don't want to even talk about the potential there, but yeah. But we know like Monty was a better coach. He is a better coach, whether it's in game or like coaching and player development. We just never saw that with historically. We haven't seen that with Mark Fox in his nine years at Georgia. So we transition from women's basketball into some men's basketball talk. Andy, you said you might watch a game this week. Did you watch a game this week? No. You told me not to. The direct orders. I did. I did. You said, and I told you, what did I say to you? One, only one person should have to watch this misery. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I was, I was more than sufficient. But, I mean, as an outsider, right, like, I know you get a lot of your opinions on the team and you, you have faith in the opinion of the team on, like, myself and Nick. But from, like, the things that you've seen on Twitter, as, you know, social media is not a great gauge, but the things that you've seen on Twitter or, like, you know, the articles on Right for California and, and whatnot, like, what are what's your overall, like, thought behind the team and behind this current era of Cal basketball under Mark Fox? It, it's really hard to evaluate. I've been pretty consistent with my whole if there were fans in the stadiums and or if there were not fans showing up to the stadium the pressure would be and the noise would be a lot louder it's i i think i'm just super frustrated by it more so than anything else in where we've allowed this program to go if you just look at like the historical i think avi has been tweeting a lot about the historicals it's just downright depressing there's no other way around it (laughs) So I think as an outsider for me, I'm just kind of frustrated. And so like for me, the casual fan, I'm just like frustrated by the ambivalence or the irrelevance of the program in that like the fans are apathetic. Nobody cares. I have not one Cal basketball text in my Cal thread, you know, my Cal sports thread. And those are guys that are like the bench, you know, like on the bench, really into it. You know, would never miss a home game. Yeah, I think in Monty's best year, they literally went to every single home game. And these are the these these are the people that are now just completely tuned out. 
So that's the reality of, and so that's why I say it's like, man, I don't know. Like some people would tell you be patient in college basketball. I'm like, dude, f it, pull like, pull the trigger, go get Gates. You, you only have this option right now. Gates will be gone. Go get him while you still can, and just undo. Like you don't. It's like the the sunk cost fallacy like you just don't fall victim to it this is not the time it's not the time and the people that i trust most that care the most that know more than me about basketball are all saying the same thing that's the thing normally you'd get like oh no like i'm the optimistic one and then you'd have like the crafty stats person who's like well statistically <laughs> right then you have a note the other person who's like the, the the downer of the group who's like oh no they're really bad they need to make the change now no every single one whether you go from a statistic standpoint the analytical standpoint you go from the optimistic fan point you go from the pessimistic fan point they're all saying the same thing that this team is progressively getting worse game over game and that the progression towards any sort of improvement or the outlook towards improvement is increasingly dim and to me that says it all so that i can sit back and i can just see that and be like those are a lot of people that know way more about this that pay way more attention than me that are all saying the same thing and so that's why i get behind them like yeah let, let's move on you want to you want to read the fun i'll read the fun tweets from avi and myself this past week all right first one from Avi. Cal men's basketball has won 39 combined games in the last four seasons. Pick any two years from the preceding decade of Cal hoops, and the lowest combined win total you'll get is 35. <laughs> uh, the other one. Viking Jones won his first three road games as Cal men's basketball head coach. Since then, Cal is three of thirty-three and thirty-seven in its last forty road games. Last one from Avi. Cal men's basketball wins the last four years, thirty-nine. Cal men's basketball double-digit losses the last four years, fifty-six. Fifty-six double-digit losses, thirty-nine wins. How do nuke a college basketball program in 10 Healthy Steps <laughs> by Mike Williams? You know what? And I tweeted this out yesterday. History. I looked up this history, and it was so – it was hilarious that I saw I, – I, like, figured out the timing. History is a flat circle. Dennis Felton was fired by Georgia in 2009. Mark Fox is hired by Georgia from Nevada in 2009. Dennis Gates is hired by Nevada as an assistant coach in 2009. Dennis Felton is fired by Cleveland State in 2019. Dennis Gates is hired by Cleveland State in 2019. And Mark Fox is hired by Cal in 2019. (laughs) Ten years apart. Ten years apart. Funny how that goes. The last one from me is a little fun math thread that I did on, I think, Saturday night. All right, so this is on Fox's uh, record and, like, uh, what's it? Like, wins and losses, all right? So 
We had three conference wins within five points last season out of our total seven conference wins. Tracking with me so far? Yep. Okay. On the flip side, we only had three games where we lost within five points last year. Okay. So, if you if you if you flip the wins and losses to get like a max of like what would have been if we had flipped those games, right? If we had won the games that we were within 5 or if we had lost all those games that we were within 5, like what's our worst version, what's our best version? We could we would be 4 4 14, 4 wins and 14 losses or 10 wins and 11 losses. And this is just conference. I didn't calculate out of conference because the variance is so high because of who you're playing. Like, I only think conference wins matters anyways, especially in basketball because of the amount of games you play. This season, every conference win, we've only won three games so far, was more than five-point wins, right? Every game, we won by more than five points. Only two losses this season were within five. Six of our losses this year were within double digits. Nine of our... And then the leftover nine were 10-plus point deficits. Four of those nine 10-plus deficits were actually 15-plus deficit losses. So our variance with winnable games this season, we would be 315 because there's no games that it would flip negative because we all won them more than five. And if you flip the two, only there were only two games that were within five, which means we'd be five and 12. So your variance goes from four, four wins to 10 wins into this season, which is three wins to five wins with two games left to go right it's not the end all but in terms of in terms of college trajectory trend you actually want a more volatile discrepancy in variance like you you want it to be bigger because that means that means you're in more close games right within five five points and like within i think the year two year three mark like you want those games to start to increase. You want to be in more competitive games. You don't want to, you don't want to be getting blown out. But that's exactly what's happening. We're actually we're actually going further down. And Viking Jones won three games in his fi- three conference games in his final season at Cal. That includes one conference or one win at the uh, Pac-12 tourney. If Mark Fox doesn't win another game this season whether it be the two Oregon schools this week or game one at the Pac-12 tournament he will have had the same he'll have the same conference record as Wyking Jones when Wyking was fired the question that I have now is what how why is Mark Fox given the the leeway that Viking really wasn't. Viking got three years. <clears throat> two. No way. Two years. Oh, he only got two? Mm-hmm. Two and gone. He actually recruited better than Fox over two, two seasons. Much better. Yeah. Viking really didn't get three years? Hot mm-hmm. damn. Yeah. I mean, he did some stuff off the court that was just awful. Yeah. Uh, um... There's so many things we keep. Going I will on. tell you why. The biggest one. Why will Mark Fox? We can leave. We can leave race out of this for for now. But I think that's a worthy part of the discussion. 
is that if you look at the contract that we gave to Mark Fox, it's way different than what we gave to Viking. Right. Viking was five year, five mil, one mil a year. Flat. Yeah. Yeah. No buyout. Mark Fox is 8.25 mil over five years. Right. I, I mean, I think fundamentally it starts there. It starts there. Then I think you look at the off court stuff. Okay. So you had like former players that are like writing pieces about how you did them dirty. We had the blow up with Theo. And then I think you have a racial component to it that it's always worthy of, you know, it's a worthy conversation to be having about, you know, how do, how, do we give somebody more leniency because they're white male because of the systems of support? And um, that that's just is what it is. It's, it's, it's a bias that exists system wide. So, yeah. and that's not, that's not anything like, against Mark Fox or against the Viking either. It's just, it's, it's, it's just could it, be a reason yeah. why someone gets an additional year. Yeah. The, but you know, I think for me, it starts with the contract and the money, the money's going to talk and the money's going to talk now, dude, the money's going to talk loud this year because you're not getting revenue and you're not having students in on campus or in like, you know, in class. Um, you know, that, that's going to hit in a totally different way. So for a university that's probably taking cuts across the board, if not most certainly, are they really going to be like, that's what I'm saying. Max Homa wants to slide in with a little donation. (laughs) That's what it's going to take. So I think it would take a really motivated basketball alumni. I mean, it, it, it's one of two things, right? From the financial standpoint, it's one donors go up to the AD and is like, we're, I'm not donating a single cent until we make a coaching change. Or you have the flip side of the argument is here's the money. Please make a coaching change. Yeah. That's that's kind of how it has to go. And it's it's just a, it's just really, really depressing. I, I think the big thing here is that you can't you, you can't look at Fox and his record and go, no, no, no. I'm I'm going to hope that he pulls through and, and gets good. Right. Because. The, the the fundamental issue that most of us had when this hire was made was what is the ceiling with Fox? Is it two NCAA tournament appearances in nine years? Like is that is that what we're going for? Is it is it sitting somewhere between like eight and five of a fourteen team conference for the majority of his tenure there? Like what what is the the aim here? Right, it's. Is if that's what you're going for, like yeah, you made the perfect car, and yeah, he'll come good on it. Give him eight years, he'll come good on it for sure. We might not even get the two NCAA appearances, but he'll come good on the rest. But right now, it's it's like a, if he's gonna pull through and he'll come good for us. What is your expectation of what what is good? Because if it's that mediocre bar in the middle, yeah, we'll get there. But if that if that's your expectation for the program, why are you even rooting for college basketball? Right, like the whole point of sports fandom is to see your team win. It's not to see it stand in the middle of the pack, especially not in American sports. There's it's different with some European sports like soccer. Like you understand where your team is, and you're just hoping that you don't drop into relegation and whatnot. But that's a totally different conversation. I think with American sports, you root for your teams because you want your teams to win. Hell, we have no we have no ties here. 
Like, you have to win or lose a game. It's a game that's built on wins and losses, and he's losing a lot, a lot of games. And there's no there's no hope right now that recruiting is going to help impact this team even better. Right? Well, I mean, it's also like not just losing games, but it's like losing to opponents like Washington State and Washington. Like these are not good programs. So it's not like just like okay, yeah, like we went up against a tournament eligible team or tournament bound tournament bound team and lost. It's like, dude, like no, you're losing, getting blown out by some of the worst teams in the conference. How is that even possible? Even possible. So that's why you don't deserve year three. That's it. Like, how is that okay? Like, how is that standard okay? Right? Like, you have Washington fans calling for Mike Hopkins' head already for this one season when he just won you a title a couple years back. Right? And, of course, that's why Hopkins is going to get at least another year. He'll he'll start to his his seat's gonna be definitely warm going into the season because of how bad this season was, but he still gets that leeway because he won you a freaking title, and like Bobby Hurley is gonna get that too with ASU because you know they're gonna like I think in Bobby Hurley's situation it's like one of those yeah you can really toss to COVID, like the team was talented and everything but you know they had so many guys and so many stoppages and all that same with like Oregon they had so many stoppages like if if Oregon's you know didn't win a single game this year like no one would have been upset with them because they're only They've only played a handful of games so far this year. But with Fox and this Cal team, like the the COVID excuse that people are giving to to Mark Fox, I don't know if that applies because that applied, you know, early on in the summer and in, in you know the pre workouts. And sure, that's a big part of how the how the flow goes. But you haven't had a single game missed. None of your games have been canceled due to COVID. You're the only team in the conference that actually hasn't had a game postponed or canceled. And what better way to improve your team than actual game playing and game time, right? Like, you know, like people are going to point to, oh, well, Matt Bradley got injured for a couple, a few weeks. Injuries happen in any game or in any season. Like, that's that's not something that you can point to and be like, that's a reason why. Like, you know... If if Matt Bradley decides to transfer or move elsewhere, like, are we still going to give that excuse of like, oh, he didn't have Matt Bradley? Because Matt Bradley isn't someone that he brought in, right? It's it's not his recruit. Most of the guys that are on this team right now who are his best performers aren't actually his recruits. You know, his best recruits right now are Matt Bradley, is Grant, right? And potentially even Joel Brown to a certain degree. Um who people keep asking me why he wasn't why he didn't play and clearly they didn't read my recap article but he uh, Fox said in the post game that he had some swelling in his Achilles so they withheld him from the game so that's why he didn't play he's not in the doghouse just injury eight of the guys on the ro- in the on the roster are his recruits three of those guys can barely step onto the court in the rotation and he and then he relies on the two grad transfers that he brought in and nothing to those guys like those guys came in and were like given the task of playing that senior role on this team but if you're going to ask people to stand by we're a young team we're going to grow then you have to play the young guys to show that that's why we're going through these growing pains you can't play you can't play the two grad transfers arguably the sec or was it the second and third most minutes on the team so far and say we're going through growing pains because of youth. 
You have that youth is- on the roster. Like, you should be playing them. If we were losing, but we were giving, like, Monty Bowser, like, 30 minutes a game, Jalen Selassie, 30 minutes a game. Like, we were just, just going and get playing time. This year doesn't matter anyways. Like, it's a throw-up year. It's it's just playing, like, a summer rec league for, you know, a few, like, weeks, right? Because if everyone's going to toss up to COVID, then why not just throw on the youngsters and get them game experience to build them up in the next year? Monty hasn't played pretty much any minutes towards in this half or in the second half of the season. And Celestine gets the starts, but he was, he was like you know, in terms of his minutes, just up and down, up and down. So that's why I'm I'm so confused here. I don't know what the the approach is. Like I, I I think it's clear, and and some of the writers said it in our group chat was just I think it's clear that there's pressure on him to win games now because he's losing so many games, and that's why he's turning to those grad transfers to maybe pull out some of those wins. But if you're really gonna if you're really going to push that, like, you know, youth movement and say we're a young team and we need to keep growing, you got to kind of got to show it on the court by playing those young guys. You can't can't be playing fifth year seniors. And then, like, you know, the last couple of weeks, there have been some weird like remarks, right? Like the talent deficiency comments, you know, about the team. Um, and then Ryan Betley saying that he thinks he overplayed him um, and he didn't have the legs which is real confusing because you're a fifth-year senior. Like, you don't have the legs to play a full college season. doesn't really make sense to me. Um, I mean, I'm not an athlete, but I would just assume that they're okay with playing a, a full season of basketball. So, but yeah, frustrations abound. I still think he's here next year, whether we like it or not. I think so, too. I, I, there's no money. I... I went back to my uh, when we were still with CGB. I wrote an article on his contract, right? And he gets so here's the thing: he gets like a twenty five percent increase on his talent fee, like or his quote unquote like total salary every year, right? Or it's like a thirty thirty thousand dollar hike every year, and that's what gets that's what gets him to that like total amount. I think you said eight mil over five years, but it's it's not flat. It's like it's increasing. But on top of that, with his buyout, it's the you you pay the salary of that season plus alpha of the season afterwards. But that's dependent on how many years he has left on the deal. So if we were to fire him now, the move would have to be made before April 1st, because if it's after April 1st, then it counts as the new salary year. So you'd have to pay him the entire 20. So let, OK, let me go back. Let's say you fired him before April 1st. Then the 2020-2021 season counts as the first year salary that you paid out. And then you would only you would need to pay 75% of next year's salary to buy him out without to fire him without cost. If you were to wait until next season, then you would have to one pay him the full season amount, right? Of the 2021 to 2022 season. And then 50% of the season afterwards. Mm. So, and, but you forget, he makes that pay increase every year. So even though you're saving 25%, you're not really saving a full 25%. So if you're, if you're thinking you're going to make that switch next year anyways, it might be better for you to bite the bullet before April 1st. From, just from a financial standpoint. Because it's not dead money anymore. You've already paid him his salary for this this season. 
right? You would just need to pay 75% of next year's salary. Otherwise, you're going to be paying him a full year's worth of next season, plus, and then if you're going to fire him after next season, then plus another 50% of the season afterwards. Hmm. Mathematically, I think it's the it, it'd be a financially better move to do it now. But because of COVID, because of the revenue and all that stuff, it doesn't make financial sense to fire any coach unless you're Texas. True, true. No, I, yeah, I don't know. The buyout's better than I thought. So maybe there is hope. That's how I read it. That's how I read the contract and how I read the buyout. I might be totally wrong because I'm not a legal guy, but that when I, I, I remember reading it, I just don't remember the exact words, but that's how I wrote it in my article. So I'm trusting my two years past self in making that, in making that a risky move, but we'll stand by it. Yep. Bold move, Cotton. We'll see if it pays off. But yeah, any other thoughts on the on the basketball stuff before we go? I know people had people wanted us to talk about that, but nope. Let's go to the sunshine. All right, let's go to some of our questions. Let me pull them up real quick on the tweeters. Uh, we got one question that says, "Where is Joel Brown?" I think I answered that question. Any news on potential replacements for Yates? I think we answered that question. So we have no more questions. (laughs) Those were the two questions, I guess. How devastating. How devastating. But we have a new segment on the Bearcast that we're going to introduce starting this week. And we're going to call it, we're calling this segment the Victory Cannon. Kaboom. That's my sound effect. Um, What this segment is going to be is just going to be one thing from myself and Andy that we just want to amplify, put out there uh, for our podcast listening crowd. Just like, you know, maybe it's a book we read this week that we really liked or an article we read over the past week that we would really like everyone to read or um, a video game we've been playing or a movie we watched, a TV show that we're enjoying. Just anything that we're just enjoying. And, you know, maybe if we can see uh, if other people enjoy it the, as much as we do or, you know, get you on to, to learning or reading, watching, doing something new or interesting if you think that we're interesting people <laughs> we we will provide it as so but all right andy do you want to go first or do you want me to go first uh let me go second you want to go second mm-hmm. all right uh this was a tough one this week because it's our first one right like it's it's a real toughie but i'm gonna go since everyone's at home and quarantining what what's changed over the last year um I'm going to go with a TV show here real quick. It's uh comes out every Friday on a subscription-based service. What am I leaning towards? Wanda. I'm not leaning towards WandaVision. See, I got you. I got what? you. I got you. I feel like everyone's watching WandaVision. That's such Blasphemy. a that's such an easy pull. Blast for me. My pull here, my pull here is for For All Mankind on Apple TV Plus. Uh, so the second season just started airing this past Friday. If you, for those that don't know, um, the story is the premise of the first season, right? Like as the season starts is the Russians get to the moon first in the space race. Right. And that's where, that's where the sequence starts. And it's like an alternate history drama of what would have happened if the Russians got to the moon first. 
and then it transitions into you know like you know the 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 Americans want to build a military base on the moon they want to build like an outpost and just like just it's just like drama of the the astronauts and then they're and then the Russians put a woman on the moon so the US is like we got to put women on the moon so they start including women astronauts like early like it's a totally retelling of uh world events but it's super cool um to look at to like see all the nasa space stuff i'm a big like sci-fi guy but it's not really sci-fi it's like kind of realistic sci-fi because they talk about like apollo 11 and the challenger and you know like all these other things and historic there are some historically actual people like you know um neil armstrong buzz aldrin like they're in the show um and like you know prepping as astronauts to go to the moon because they couldn't get there before the russians did like it and it's super fun i highly recommend it if you're on apple tv plus i got in on, on it after i watched ted lasso um and so yeah that's the one i highly recommend right now it's super fun i am adding that to my list yeah. sounds great yeah so given that it is black history month mm. and we are celebrating black history month in i found a medita- meditation instructor named uh, Ali, Sa- Ali Simon, and she is fantastic. You really so struggle she, with that last name. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Sermon, and then it was Simon, and I was, yeah. But yes, Ali Simon, she's great. Uh, as far as guided meditations go, someone, I would say she really ranks high on my list, and uh, I think you can find her at AliSimon.com, and then there's some classes and workshops that she does, but just a fantastic way to either start or end your day. I'm going to listen to it right now to kind of get ready and prep for bed, so absolutely give her a listen, and don't forget to uh, you know celebrate this month and the, the, the very important history of our black friends, colleagues, and family. Absolutely. Well, there is our first edition of the Victory Canon. And uh, if you have anything that you think should uh, be a part of the Victory Canon, send it send it our way. Let us know if it's a book, TV show, video game, restaurant, food, whatever it may be. Send it our way and uh, we'll uh, look into it and uh, see if it's see if it's something that we um, want to experience ourselves before we put it on the list. But yeah, send us all of your recommendations. We'd love it right yeah do it <laughs> send it in send them send them via twitter send them via you can send us uh and this is where we can do our little sign up so you can find us on twitter at golden bearcast you can email us at golden bearcast at gmail.com you can find me at rob 11 hwmd you can find andy at andy jb smoke currently private oh yeah it's a vip follow if i follow you back yeah but you can still dm me just DM him. Let's see if he responds to him, even though he's a private account. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's all of our stuff. Once again, we're on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And as always, go Bears! Go Bears!
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.